one of the challenges we had as an agency was, um, and even as a product as well, was also that, yes, we, we can do anything, right? So um, there needs to be that layer, of, but should we be doing this? Is this the most valuable way to spend people's time? Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a bonus episode of Honest E-commerce. Today, I'm welcoming the show Gavin Ballard. He is the founder and CEO of Submarine, a platform that powers flexible commerce experiences for Shopify, including subscriptions, pre-sales, crowdfunding, and more. Gavin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chase. I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited to chat. Uh, Gavin and I have been friendly in the ecosystem for numerous years now. And it's the first time I've had him on the show, surprisingly. Um, but uh, let's first, I guess, before we dive into what you're up to now with Submarine and how your career has kind of evolved here, let's just let's just go back to the beginning um, and talk about your history just within the Shopify ecosystem in general. Um, do you remember your first project that you worked on that utilized Shopify? I I do very clearly uh, because they're still kind of uh, well, they're a friend now and uh, and a. Uh, and an ongoing client, we've got some partnership projects on the go. So, um, yeah, I kind of fell into the Shopify ecosystem because I was living, I moved to New York to start a business with some friends. That went terribly. I needed to earn some money. So I started freelancing and it just so happened that the first um, client that I had was was a Shopify store. So it was a, um, a button store up in Portland, Oregon. Um, and yeah, they had a bunch of apps that they needed building. And that was kind of how I got my my start in the Shopify ecosystem. Just really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, like I said, we still do stuff with them. Um, I catch up with with them. Um, and, and that's, I think, one of the things about the Shopify ecosystem that's kept me here for this long is that everyone's real nice. So um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long time, but it's been a, a fun journey. Do you remember what year you did that first project? Oh yeah, that was twenty eleven ish. I'm gonna say. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been around for 10, 10, 12 years um, in the ecosystem, and it's been you know obviously starting out freelancing. Then I started um, focus on the agency Disco Labs, which ran for quite some some time, and now um, sort of moving more into the product space with Submarine. Absolutely, and so with. Uh, the solution that you're building for that client, you mentioned that you were building out apps for them. Uh, was the app store even a thing back then? It was. It's hard to remember exactly. It was pretty nascent, uh, that's for sure. But um, it, my, my background is software um, engineering. And so that was always kind of the part of the Shopify ecosystem that I was most interested in was the, the back end side of uh, software. Um, and, and so that was just kind of the natural place to gravitate to. When we started out, I was just doing anything, setting up, you know, front end sites, um, themes, uh, did a fair bit of theme work early, early doors. But yeah, the app store wasn't really a thing. You could definitely install apps. Um, but a lot of the stuff that you did was custom, um, nothing like it is today. So it's, it's certainly evolved a lot over that last, uh, 10 to 12 years. Absolutely. And then, so we met, uh, when you were, at the helm of Disco Labs, um, which is uh, an agency that 
we'll get into a little bit more that existed, uh, mm -hmm. but it was more custom solutions for like big brands and stuff like that. How long, what was like the evolution of like freelancing and doing these like projects for clients in the Shopify ecosystem until you like built, you know, an agency around it? Yeah, I'd love to pretend that there was like a really intentional strategy, but it was very much, um, I was doing this stuff freelance, got to the point where I was like, oh, I've got too much work on. Um, I guess the next thing I do is, is hire someone. And I just got very lucky that the first couple of engineers I hired to help me out with the work, um, were, were fantastic. And that really helped, um, us expand the scope of what we were doing, uh, and take on bigger and, and gnarlier projects. But yeah, I think that the story in general has been very organic, um, right from the word go. I sort of fell into the ecosystem over time to started building up the agency. Um, and, and was lucky because we were early to the ecosystem, um, there weren't a lot of people that were focused on building custom apps and integrations, but there were increasingly more merchants that had larger businesses with more custom requirements. And so other agencies, other freelancers, those merchants themselves were looking for people who could solve this stuff. And there wasn't, yeah, like I said, anyone that was really, really focused on it. Um, and so that was great for us having that really specific niche because it meant that a lot of other agencies would um, happily partner with us because they were doing design, UX, build, all that sort of stuff, but they didn't have the in-house technical knowledge to build a custom integration with an ERP or a completely bespoke review system or, or whatever the merchant needed. So um, they were very happy to bring us in. They knew we weren't going to tread on their toes um, because we didn't do front-end design or dev or marketing and any of that sort of stuff. And so that really worked, worked really well. And then we got exposed to a lot of really big merchants around the world and, and a lot of them that we still um, we still service um, because they're either submarine customers um, or we've got sort of legacy stuff that's sitting in the background working for them. So um, that's, um, yeah, that's kind of how it's worked. Yeah. And I think that's a little, I guess, inside baseball for the most, for the average listener that's works at a brand or owns a brand, you know, agencies aren't kind of all one size and the specialization, even when you're talking to development shops between, uh, building a custom app solution like you guys do over at Disco Labs or like Electric Eye. We're glorified like front end, you know, CRO dudes. <laughs> like we're all just like make it pretty but make it perform. If we would one thousand percent instantly just turn down anything that's like leaning towards this has to be a custom app just because it's like we don't know our heads from our tails when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's definitely um, specializations, right? And uh, I think more and more, especially larger agencies, more and more of them are building out their backend capabilities. So I think that the, the, the landscape today compared to five years ago, firstly, agencies are more experienced in Shopify. They're more comfortable with some backend stuff, um, but also just what Shopify has done with the platform has made it much, much easier to build backend solutions and you know, the, the latest things with like being able to build remix apps um, in, in the Shopify app store and that sort of stuff means it, it is feasible. Um, Shopify functions, it is feasible for agencies that don't have like a deep tech backend uh, experience to, to build like really good solutions for a lot of use cases. Um, I still think there's a place in in the ecosystem for specialist backend um, development. Um, at the end of the day, there are merchants that have super custom requirements, um, and so if you look at merchants that we support, like my Hasbro, for example, um, we've been running their D 2 C pre sales crowdfunding um, memberships for for years. Uh, and the scale that they operate on when they launch a new range of Star Wars toys or something like that, like that you genuinely need some, some serious backend shops to handle that kind of thing. So there, there definitely still use cases where you need, um, that experience. But yeah, for a lot of it, um, 
don't want to say it's easy, but it's easier than it was. Yeah, I mean, functions specifically are a game changer. Just you know, recently now that they're adding kind of accessibilities and you know, not calling it sections everywhere, but kind of is into checkout, into post purchase, onto the thank you page. Like we're finally getting all the stuff that we wish we had years ago from a front end development perspective. But it allows you to solve for a lot of the more typical use cases. But then as you get into the edge cases and it becomes a business requirement, uh, yeah, I guess the, what I want to tell listeners is if you have a um, a requirement that everyone's you can't solve with an app in the ecosystem, and it's looking like it needs to be custom. When you're talking to a partner about it, make sure that they have done something similar before, uh, because doing an actual custom app is a specific skill set in Shopify. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely true. And I think you know, as time increases, the the footprint of what apps can do and the flexibility of what those apps can do increases, which is great. Um, but there's there's just always going to be. I, I think Shopify's philosophy in general is uh, we make eighty percent of what a merchant wants to do uh, easy, and then the other twenty percent possible. And that twenty percent is kind of where app developers and things like that exist. Um, and, and for us, I guess we were then sort of focused in again on the eighty twenty of that eighty twenty um, because we were really just focused on sort of the larger merchants with the really custom requirements. But um, yeah, that, that that absolutely makes sense. And I think. I think the rate of product development in the Shopify uh, product has been really impressive over the last couple of years. There's been a lot of stuff that's gone forward really, really quickly. And I think, yeah, the, the Shopify functions and Shopify checkout UI extensions are two parts of that, that, that tail, which has really demonstrated how quickly they're iterating. Um, which is, yeah, huge difference to sort of that. They had a big lull, I would say, in sort of 2018 to 2020. And then obviously COVID just meant they were just focused on scaling rather than building new stuff. Um, but yeah, last couple of years has been really, really great. Um, it's been exciting. And, and I think the way where they're headed with functions and, um, checkout UI extensions is really, it's a really great product direction. Um, and it's, it's actually something we're kind of borrowing a, li- a little bit from in, um, in Submarine as well. So um, yeah, no, it's all positive at the moment. We've alluded to Submarine now a few times and you even kind of let people know that you have clients that have held over from Disco Labs into what is Submarine. So first, let's just kind of talk about how Submarine came to be. Sure. It, uh, like all good products, I think it came from a real world need and pain point, um, which was we, as an agency, we were building these custom apps and backend things. And one of the merchants we had early doors. Um, so this is sort of maybe 2016, uh, I think, uh, was a merchant called UFoods, who, uh, a large, uh, ready made meal. Uh, provider here in Australia. And at the time, they had the largest Shopify store in the APAC region, one of the largest ones in the world. Uh, and they they didn't have a subscription system. Um, the, that, the reason for that was multiple um, requirements around that. So they had a very custom delivery zone and delivery region management system, which you can imagine for sort of ready-made meals, you've got to know exactly when your meals are going to get delivered and that sort of stuff. Um, they also had a lot of cu- uh, checkout customization. So they needed to be using the the Shopify checkout. Um, and at the time, just didn't have a subscription solution that supported that. So we actually built the the first native checkout um uh, subscription solution for them that, as far as I aware, existed on Shopify 
well before sort of Shopify's subscription APIs and that sort of stuff. And as soon as we built it, we had a whole bunch of people reaching out saying, how did you do that? We want to do that. Um, so that kind of triggered us working with more and more brands that had these, what I'd call like payment experience requirements. So whether that was subscriptions, pre-sales, crowdfunding, they, they had something that was a bit more custom than what you could get with an off-the-shelf app. And that's kind of like the basic DNA of, of the, the submarine platform is to provide those um, larger merchants, enterprise merchants with the flexibility that they need um, to, to build a, a customer experience that's really bespoke and targeted. Um, so whether that is from a UI, UX perspective, complete flexibility there, or if it's um, flexibility in terms of the business logic and the rules or flexibility in terms of what payment processor you integrate with or um, how you integrate into your ERP or auto management system on the back end. Um, that's kind of like the the goal is, is very much like taking what we did as an agency one-on-one with merchants and making it way more accessible to merchants that have some in-house dev capacity or an agency that's working with those brands and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And can you, maybe this is uh, definitely a question for me and less for the listeners, but I'm sure there are some other folks out there that work at agencies and whatnot. Can you talk about the transition and even the name change, uh, You know, mm-hmm. going from an agency, Disco Labs, to now a product called Submarine? How long did this take? You know, what what does that look like to experience? Yeah, I, th- I feel like almost everyone who runs an agency, and you can tell me if this is true or not, but almost everyone that runs an agency at some point is like, oh man, this the, the product world seems much, much nicer. <laughs> um, oh, dude, all the time. Like, and even, yeah. even as of recently as of uh, two weeks ago, me and Sean were talking about an idea to build an app, but we know you can't. Unless you go all in on it, it will never hit the growth that you need. And it's like, we're really good at what we do at the agency now. Like, we should stop getting distracted. And I should stop interrupting you and I could let you answer the questions. No, 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 no. Um, it's all good because uh, like I hear the same story when I talk to any other agency owner. It's, it's like there's always that, that you, you see the problems, right? You're, you're at ground level, you see what people are struggling with, and you're like, oh, I could build something to solve that and that could be really successful. Um, uh, but you're absolutely right. I think it's very, very difficult to run both businesses at once. And I know that because we tried to do that at Disco Lives for a while. We, we sort of tried to do, oh, we'll do Google 20% time, but we'll do it on our product. Um, you know, we, we'd sort of build up like a framework internally that was kind of like the V1 for Submarine that we were using to deliver projects. But the projects we were delivering were still very bespoke engagements that were, you know, nine-month projects where we were doing custom implementations and there was a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Um, so it, it, we sort of started charging for it as a product as well. So we'd charge people to deliver the project and then there would be an ongoing fee to to run Submarine. Um, and so we could see that it was generating revenue um, and it never it was never at the stage where it's like, this is sustaining the entire agency, but it got to the point where we could say, okay, this can be a real thing. So we knew we wanted to, to maybe invest more in it. And for me, I kind of knew that I wanted to do products more than run an agency, as I discussed before. It was a very kind of organic, um, not well thought out transition into the agency world. But um, I knew I wanted to do products. Uh, this seemed like a really good opportunity. So we were trying to do both essentially and trying to spend 20% time, 30% time into the um, into the product. And it just, it just didn't work because um, the client always takes priority. Um, there's always new stuff coming in the door it's and then you're always having to to hunt for the next client the next project to keep the keep the te- team fed and happy and healthy so it, it, 
I think I think if you're a very large business, you can genuinely like carve out a, a section, um, you know, like a, a dedicated team and actually give them the headspace to, to work on it, then yes, maybe it works. Um, but even then, just like architecturally as a business, you're not invested as much in the in the success of that product as the rest of the business is mo- more likely than not going to be your main source of, of revenue. So, um, yeah, it's really a priori- prioritization question. We struggled with it a long time. It was only really when we were like, okay, we're actually genuinely going to go all in on this that, um, that I think we've kind of made the transition and been able to properly accelerate our product development. Um, so yeah, we, we, um, took on some initially some revenue-based financing to kind of like help us start buying out our own time and accelerate the product. And then that led into um, sort of a, a pre-seed round um, in late 21, early 22, right when everything was going terribly for, for raising money. Um, but that's kind of all we've, all we've done, used to, to sort of bootstrap that that product transition, um, which has been, yeah, a longer journey than I thought, but we're in a good place now. Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact that you and I could talk about the pros and cons of agency versus product uh, all over the place, right? But I don't want to get into that now. But what I'm going to challenge the audience to do is if you want to hear us do that, I can get Gavin back on the show. I can get some other people that have done similar stuff or we could have a really cool 4 people podcast. If you want to hear that, just email me or tweet me, put a comment on LinkedIn, just let me know. And I'll make that happen because that I think that's a conversation that could get very long-winded and off the rails, and I don't want to interrupt the flow of this podcast. But I do think it's a very fun conversation. It, it's it's really interesting. I um, at some point I hope to uh, you know when I have spare time uh, actually like do a like a mini series or um, a book or something around it. Um, not necessarily because I think I've got all the answers, but I just know there are so many instances of really great products being built um, by people who were agency or ex-agency, like very successful large companies. Um, and equally, I know that there are a lot of um, agency founders that have that kind of frustration where they're like, we know there's something here, but we don't know how to actually like make it into something that works and give, give it the time it needs. So I think it's a really, really interesting space. Yeah, and then there's the business models and the cash flows, and then selling it. There's so much nuance to both of them, and it's something I know a lot about for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting, but it, um, at the end of the day, like the the pro- once you get the product ramped up and, and operating operational, it is pretty amazing to just sort of see that money drop in the bank account with, and you feel like oh, I haven't really done anything for that. Obviously, you've done the work before, but yeah, um, it, it makes a really big difference to your mindset and how you operate um for, for us i think we've had a semi-soft landing in that the product that we have is very much geared towards the same sort of merchants that we were working for as an agency and as a result like the sales cycle is actually kind of similar the types of merchants the type of, of problems we're solving are kind of similar um which has its upsides and its downsides um so yeah it's, it's been um an easier transition for us than if we just sort of swapped to, oh, well, actually, we're trying to build an app for 20,000 merchants and charging 20 bucks a month for, for it. Um, that's that's not what we're doing. Um, so that kind of makes the transition a bit easier, but it's certainly not easy by any means. Let's talk a bit more about the app itself and the solutions that it makes possible. Um, so a question I always like to ask is like, what are some ways that like a merchant might self-identify and be like, oh, 
submarine might be a good solution for me. Like, what are the pain points they're experiencing, or what are they not getting out of what already exists in the ecosystem? Yeah, I'd say like the the number one flag that's like, oh, maybe submarine is a good fit is if you ever feel like you are shoehorning your business into uh, how an off the shelf app thinks of your your business model. So whether that's subscriptions or pre sales or crowdfunding. Um, if it's, you know, well, this doesn't integrate very well with my back office, or I'd really like to be able to offer trailing discounts on my subscription program where you know, people get 30%, then 20%, but then 10% off. Um, but that needs to be conditional based on where the customer is located. Like just those sorts of things where it's like, you know, how you want your subscription program to run, you, you know, how you want your pre-sale campaigns to run. Um, but you feel like you're making trade-offs based on the tech that you've got or you're like, I just can't find a solution for this. So I'm kind of giving up on, on having this as an option um, in the first place. Um, our, our goal as an agency and with the product with Submarine is always to say, you come to us with your business model and what you want to do and we have the tech that is flexible enough to adapt to it and, and make that work for you. Um, so obviously there's, there's more, much more of a solutions component to that. We need to sit down with you and work out exactly what you need and, and do that. And because of that model, you know, we're not a one-click install on the Shopify app store and you're up and running and away you go. We, we have a really great baseline experience for the, the types of business models we support. So um, you can get up and running really quickly, but in terms of getting the most value out of the product, um, it, it's really something that we're going to sit down and talk through with you and, and work out what the best way, way to, to do it is. Um, and so, you know, examples of, of things that um, have happened in the past that um, we've supported, I mean, that, that, um, uh, that subscription use case is a really good one. Um, pre-sales, uh, so merchants that want to be able to launch a pre-sale campaign let customers buy a whole bunch of products on pre-sale and then just capture payment for those individual line items as they become ready to ship and ship them out and have that flow into their third-party ERP system. Um, crowdfunding campaigns, like wanting to be able to run a, a genuine crowdfunding campaign on your own site with your own brand with, um, you know, 100% integrated natively into your theme, uh, be able to take customer pledges and then capture payment at the end when you succeed or fail, um, that sort of stuff. Um, so there's a very long list of use cases, um, which is the downside of being very flexible. But um, yeah, I, hopefully I've captured, I guess, where it makes sense to think about this. No, I think you did a great job. And I think um, your statement about being shoehorned into the way that Shopify or an app wants to think about your business... Uh, is a great way for me as an agency guy to understand when it might make sense to refer business your way. Um, because I often push back. I'm guilty of this. I'm saying, you're doing, you're making this hard. Like, why not make it easier? I would say that sometimes though, I feel that, uh, what they want to do is easy and I just wish it worked that way. And then obviously <laughs> using, using submarine or something like that makes sense. But then also sometimes people, do make things a little bit aggressively complex. So do you ever find yourself like putting on your consultant hat and be like, guys, this like is like not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that pushback is a really, really healthy thing. And I think that that agencies should absolutely be doing um, to doing that. I think one of the one of the challenges we had as an agency was, um, and even as a product as well, was also that yes, we, we can do anything, right? So um, there needs to be that layer, of, but should we be doing this? Is this the most valuable way yeah. to spend 
people's time. And um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that, especially I think in migration projects where people are coming from a, um, another platform like, let's say, a Magento over to Shopify yeah. where um, they could do anything, so they did do anything, and now they're coming to the Shopify world and like, well, I just want exactly what I did previously. And yes, you can do that, but the, the, the question becomes like, but should you like, are you spending more time and effort than it's worth to get it working exactly how it did um, on your old system and, and and fighting against what what the Shopify platform is? So I think that's a really healthy question to have. I think um, conversely, there are times where it is like, well, I know that our ROI or our AOV would be significantly higher if, if we, um, let's say, we've got clients that do a mystery box subscription. Um, so every month they send out a random product. Um, like how do you choose what that product is? If you've got an off-the-shelf app, the the opportunities or how you might actually pick what that product that's getting shipped out is, it could be very limited. Um, it might be I need to set up, you know, what this month's mystery box thing is. Um, I might have to go and manually swap out the products, all that sort of stuff. Whereas the submarine solution could be, well, actually, we can call out to an API that your business owns as a merchant that takes into account all these different things, your customer profile, what stock you want to move, what you've got on hand, what's going to be cheapest to ship to the customer. You can take all of that into account. And then that's the thing that goes into the mystery box. And it's like, oh, well, I, th- that's going to be a huge benefit to our business to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, there's definitely cases where the flexibility isn't needed or warranted and you're better off just let's keep it simple. Um, but equally there are definitely times for, and especially for large merchants where, you know, if you're a 2% increase in AOV is, you know, hundreds, um, of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of needs to be an option for some merchants as well. Absolutely. Uh, it, it does make a lot of sense. It's funny that you, you brought up the migration thing because it's like just because it was that way before doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be that way now. But again, great argument. It's like, but if we know it worked well last time, like maybe we should further explore this. Yeah, exactly. Awesome, Gavin. Now, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you think would resonate with our audience? Oh, that's a, that's a broad question. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, I think like, Maybe to this is tooting submarines and horn, but I guess that's why I'm on a podcast, really. But yeah, to be real, <laughs> I think what we're doing with the, the flexibility piece and, and like having that focus is actually reflective of like the broader Shopify ecosystem, which is, is kind of interesting. Like the stuff like Shopify functions and check out UI extensibility and things like that. I think um, more and more platforms and apps and offerings are trying to get to this point where you've got this 80% baseline experience and then trying to work out what is the easiest way for people to customize this to their to their business. And I think especially as Shopify pushes into the enterprise space more and more, um, that kind of flexibility and how that customization works and how that plays with the rest of the ecosystem is actually really interesting. So um, I, I don't know if that's a particularly actionable or useful piece of uh, tidbit, but I think um, for, for your audience and, and for anyone that's listening, I think um, that's a, a trend that you're going to see uh, everywhere across the, the e-com ecosystem is how does this extensibility um, and flexibility story play out? So um, I feel like we're we're sort of playing our part in that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be more and more of a thing over the next few years, I think. Awesome, Gavin. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and chatting. We'll link to Submarine below. Um, and again, thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, Chase. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes 
You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes that really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io slash connect. Until next time.